Working at BYU, I'm not sure about that. But, uh, Great to yeah. uh, be here and read Spencer's notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>So where do you begin to try and fix this thing after what you saw on Saturday night? You know, there, there are things that that can't be fixed. They just have to sort of be fought through as best as possible. You know, this was a perfect storm in a lot of ways. They had a, a physical game the week before at Texas, and now they go to play at West Virginia in a night game that uh, against a physical team that's on the rise and has beaten uh, a bunch of good teams and has given a bunch of others scares. So this West Virginia team is no joke. And BYU was very banged up on both sides, and it was just a tough place to be. So the first thing they need to do, and they've been here before and they've done well at it, the first thing they need to do is make sure to stay together as a team. You don't want fingers to be pointed. You don't want this thing to be fractured. BYU has a bright future, medium and long-term in this league. The next three weeks, they've got three extraordinarily difficult games coming up. And the most important thing for them to do is to make sure that they remain a team, that they remain committed to each other, that they have each other's backs. Then they'll do the best they can to play the best they can. But in the, in the longer term for BYU, the most important thing they can do is stay together. When BYU plays well at Arkansas, at home against Texas Tech, at home against Cincinnati, certainly we're talking about two of those three being on uh, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU is on four in Big 12 play on the road. Certainly at Oklahoma State, it's going to be tough, especially the way they played against the Sooners in the win. Is being home enough to feel confident that BYU will bounce back and get a win Saturday against a pretty good Iowa State team? Or are there bigger issues that may seep into home and night game? Well, I think being home will be huge because their fans are going to support. Their fans are going to have their back, and that, that energy is something that this team needs right now. Will it be enough to win? No. The, the problem is that Iowa State is a team that has won in the Big 12 for decades in the same way that BYU has won and needs to win now in their first year in the Big 12, and that is in the margins. In other words, they need to get the hidden yards in, in special teams. They need to have fewer penalties, fewer mistakes in alignment, assignment, technique. They need to get that extra yard or two from the ball carriers. They need to make sure the opposing ball carriers are tackled securely so they can't get those extra yard or two. They have the fewest penalties. This is what this is what Iowa State does as, as well or better than anybody in the country. And when BYU is at their best, it's what BYU does as well or better than anyone in the country. So this is a fair fight. 
against styles that are very similar from a standpoint of how they've achieved success in recent years, especially. And so, you know, BYU is going to have to tighten down those things because they've got enough injuries that they're not going to be able to go out and just out-athlete Iowa State. Iowa State and BYU are the two, the last two, the bottom two offenses in the Big 12 in terms of yards per game. But Iowa State is the top defense in the Big 12 in terms of yards per game. So BYU is going to need to win this game with brotherhood, with camaraderie, and with execution. And the fans are going to help them get the energy. Trevor, when I was watching the game in Morgantown, and I'm 100% not blame the officials guy, but it kind of felt like the first few drives just set a really negative tone against BYU with the way that the calls were going, and BYU never really responded Again, I'm not going to blame the officials, but is there an element to that? And if, if it happens, how does BYU overcome something like that when the calls are not going your way early in the game in a hostile environment and you find yourself down all of a sudden 14-zip? It can be deflating. And I agree with you that the officials weren't the problem here. But there were a couple of plays that I just shook my head. The two uh, plays that were called against BYU defenders for late hits against a sliding quarterback those were, in my opinion, horrifically bad calls because the quarterback ran right up to the defender both times and then slid underneath them, basically. The defender didn't launch into the quarterback either time. He didn't, he didn't go to hit the quarterback. He pulled the punch. He, he kind of you know, leaned into him a little bit, but he was pulling the punch so he wouldn't fire into him when he saw and make a hit when he saw that the quarterback started to slide right in front of him. And I think the officials would have done a whole lot better to have identified the fact that the BYU player didn't try to make a hit. He tried to pull the hit when the quarterback got right on top of him. Because the truth of it is, if I'm a quarterback now in college football, I'm doing that every time. I'm running right up to a defender, and when he comes up to lay one into me, I'm starting to slide because I'm going to get another you know, 15 on top of that. And so I, I thought that was poor. But the thing is, if you're committing penalties, and BYU had 10 of them in this game, if you're committing penalties and they're being flagged, that's on you. But when you feel like there are some key penalties at key moments, that shouldn't have been called. And there were a couple of those that I think shouldn't have been called. In that kind of an environment, it's deflating, especially when you realize that you're kind of out of people to be able to overcome uh, you know, negative plays that, that happen because of penalties. And so you realize it's going to be hard to overcome that and that's part of the problem i think up there in west virginia byu kind of ran out of people because of injury jay kretzloff made his first start at quarterback going 24 42 for 210 yards and uh, rushing 10 times for 26 yards what did you make of his first start i thought he was great i thought he he was fearless that's probably the biggest thing he seemed to know what he was looking at he didn't seem rattled that's important especially on a, in a place where getting rattled is kind of easy to do. Lots of very good players and very good teams tend to get rattled at night in West Virginia. And he seemed to have everything, you know, wired relatively tight. And that's really good for his first start at this level. I was impressed with that. It was good that he was able to run around because you kind of need to be able to run around with the pass protection that BYU has been getting for the last couple of years um, at times. Now, normally BYU has been good in pass protection. They've kind of not been good the last two weeks, and that's been a real problem for quarterbacks. And so the fact that he's been able to, to run around, especially in this particular game, has been really important. 
Trevor, we've been toying with the wheel of accountability, looking at all of the reasons that things went wrong in Morgantown and why BYU lost by 30 again. Where does your accountability start if you are looking to not point a finger, but just kind of explain where it needs to change and, and who needs to be held accountable first before we start looking at everything else? Let me say, let me say it this way. The people that need to be held accountable need to stand up and put their hand in the air and take accountability. Because right now there's a lot of, of finger pointing from the fans. And they're pointing out, we've talked a, a lot about the offensive line. We've talked a lot about play calling and things like that. There are things that, that can't be helped, the injuries. BYU has improved their depth um, and over the course of the last couple of years in anticipation of getting into the Big 12, but there's still not enough, and they still have had a whole lot of injuries even beyond that. I think there are some people that would do well to stand up and say, it's me. That's what needs to happen. It wouldn't do well for me to point a finger at somebody. I can say overall that this was a season more than any in recent memory where the running game needed to step up and fix a lot of problems. And the running game is the worst in the country. It's, you know, statistically one of the worst. I haven't looked this week. But certainly it's, I mean, why they even call a play that's a running play on a fourth and two or that could be a running play on an RPO kind of a thing uh, is is beyond me because the, the rushing attack can't function. It doesn't function at all. And there needs to be accountability there, but I'm waiting for people to stand up and and take accountability is what I'm doing. Uh, but that's where it starts. If you can't run the ball, then you have to be an elite passing team. BYU has the potential to be a very good passing team, even without running the ball. If everybody's healthy, BYU is a, a, a very good passing team. But without that running game in the Big 12, they're one-dimensional and they're in trouble. And accountability needs to it needs to start with people to volunteer their accountability rather than have somebody else drag them out. Mm. The good news is BYU is fifth worst in yards per uh, game rushing and eighth in yards per carry. So not the worst. That is the good news of the day. Um, oh, let's, not the, yeah, good. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey let's go. Uh, let's talk about some of the NFL guys. Uh, notably, Taysom Hill becomes the first player since 1964. Frank Gifford, Monday Night Football, watching that growing up, uh, with 10 passing, 10 rushing, 10 receiving touchdowns in a career. How would you summarize uh, what he's done as an NFL player and continues to do? unique i mean it, it's absolutely unique especially in this age of specialization where you've got kids you know in the seventh grade up and even earlier than that their parents hire football coaches for them they hire position coaches for them so they can learn how to be what they're going to be and they they tend to really excel some of these kids from the very beginning because that's what they focus on and the, their people are being paid to teach them how to do it versatility kind of goes out the window and I am, uh, you know, the fact that Taysom is so versatile is great. But I'm impressed with the Saints, that they were uh, had the foresight to understand that they had a unique weapon here. And that if they tried to plug him in as a quarterback or plug him in as a tight end or plug him in as an H-back or whatever they wanted to do, he would be good at any of those positions. But to have him do all of those things in situations gives the Saints an edge over the defense. And that's where he... Um, 
the, the, the Saints were able to use him that way. And so I love it that they gave him the opportunity to excel at what he's best at, which is to do a whole lot of things at a very high level. And the way that he represents the the team, the league, and BYU with his joyfulness in the game, I think is wonderful. Because when you watch Taysom Hill play, you can't help but have a smile on your face because you know he's playing with a smile because he loves it so much, just like that little kid. All right, let's stay with the quarterback theme in the NFL. And I know BYU fans were very interested to see what Jaron Hall did. Unfortunately, he leaves early in the game because of that concussion. But Trevor, up to that point, he looked pretty sharp. What would you think of the little bit that you saw from Jaron Hall in his first NFL start? He, he was decisive. I mean, he completed five of his, his six passes. He had a couple of nice runs. He was moving the team. Uh, it's really unfortunate that he got hurt because he was the start would give you, um, I don't want to say hope, I want to say expectation that he could continue to grow. He could continue to move the team, continue to do great things. Now I don't know what's going to happen because Josh Dobbs came in literally, you know, without having a practice snap and <laughs> did a lot of really good things and led them to that win. So I don't know, I don't know what the Vikings are going to do going forward. I do know that in his first opportunity that Jaron did everything he could with the opportunities that he had. He was very efficient. He was a leader and he moved the team. When you move the team, the team believes in you. Love that, Trevor. We appreciate you always calling it how it is, whether we're talking BYU and their struggles or we're talking BYU guys in the NFL. Not Great. the worst in the country. <laughs> so we, hey. Listen, the BYU's players are playing as hard as they, as they know how to play. You know, I want to I be very careful as a former player here. They're playing as hard as they know how to play. Yeah, and uh, you can only do so much when, uh, when certain things are not in place. Trevor, again, we appreciate the time. Uh, I wish you many bowls of candy corn as we all try and get through this Boo. week and <laughs> get to something better against Iowa State. Oh, at least there's some hope. Halloween is just 362 <laughs> candy corn shopping days away. Thanks, Trevor. Uh, ESPN's Trevor Maddich. The, the run game didn't get me in a bad mood, but now the candy corn. I'm like, oh, candy corn? <laughs> Man, that's uh, performing as well as the run game right now. Just get better. Let's go. Okay, men's basketball season starts tonight. Let's go. Houston Christian. Used to be called Houston Baptist. The Huskies in town. Looks like UConn. It's Houston. HCU. Yeah, baby. 8 Eastern time. We got pregame on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The game is on ESPN+. It's Selection Monday for BYU women's soccer. So with the loss to Texas in the Big 12 tournament, does BYU have enough to still get a number one seed? This is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Monday headlines. Football loses at West Virginia 37 7, 277 yards of total offense, allowed 336 rushing yards. Cougars now 5 4 in the season, 2 4 in Big 12 play. Mountaineers led 37 0, and Robbins scored his first rushing touchdown of the season late in the fourth. One touchdown in the last 10 quarters. Not good. BYU hosts Iowa State Saturday night, pregame 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We expect to know the BYU Oklahoma time and TV later today. Come on, night game. Cougars in the NFL part one. Jaron Hall got the start for the Minnesota Vikings. Five of six, 78 yards passing, rushed twice for 11 yards, but left early 
with an unfortunate concussion. Hope he's back and available soon. Tyler Algier, 12 carries, 39 yards and a touchdown and a Falcons 31-24 loss to Jaron Hall and Kyrus Tonas Vikings. Taysom Hill at 11 carries, 52 yards on the ground, four catches, 13 yards, a touchdown, threw a three-yard touchdown pass as well. First player with 10 passing, rushing, and receiving touchdowns in an NFL career since Frank Gifford did it in 1964. Nice. Jamal Williams, also for the Saints. Six rushes, six receiving yards for the Saints in a 24-17 win over the Chicago Bears. Puganakua had three catches for 32 yards for the Rams in a 20-3 loss to the Packers. Puka broke the Rams' all-time record for receptions by a rookie in a season for the Rams. Kyle Van Noy, he was giving it to my Seahawks. Two Ooh. sacks, forced fumble on the Ravens, 37-3 win. It was tough to watch. Siona Takitaki, three tackles, pass breakup, had a pick in a Browns 27-0 win over the Cardinals. Takey, takey. <laughs> yes, thank you, Berman. <laughs> and Zach Wilson in the Jets host Michael Davis in the Chargers on Monday Night Football tonight. BYU men's basketball in their season opener tonight. Hey. Heavy favorites against Houston Christian, 9 Eastern. You can watch it on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Pre-game coverage begins at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Number seven, women's soccer loses. Oh, just the second loss of the season. 3-1 to Texas in the Big 12 championship game. It was tied 1-1 at halftime. Brecken Mozingo had a goal late in the first half. Four BYU players were named to the All-Big 12 tournament team. Kendall Peterson, Olivia Wade-Katoa, Brecken Mozingo, and Ellie Walbrook. The NCAA women's soccer selection show is this afternoon or Eastern on NCAA.com. If RPI matters as much as they say they do, give them a one seed. They don't, then we just they garbage. Yes, it is garbage. RPI is garbage, Gosh. regardless. Lauren Gustin, one of 50 players on the Naismith Women's College Player of the Year Award watch list. Somehow she's not a preseason all-conference player, I but she's on the National Player of the Year preseason list. 16.7 rebounds a game last year, 27 double-doubles. And uh, hey, you know, she's, she's an incredible player. She's more... She has so much on her shoulder. The chip on her shoulder is so huge right now. She I needs, love it. She needs to see I love it. Number 12 women's volleyball swept Cincinnati on back-to-back -back nights. Friday and Saturday and moved to 20 and 5 on the season, 9 and 4 in the Big 12. Aaron Livingston, 19 kills in Whoa. each match. That's in three sets, by the way. Go ahead gets to 20 wins for a 12th straight season. Those are today's headlines. Now we whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Call your shop. What seed will women's soccer get this afternoon? A two seed, and I'm going to hate every second of it. It's going to be a one seed. I hope it's a one seed. Me, they have earned you, a one seed. They absolutely have. 16, 2, and 3. RPI number two. Runner up to Texas, who's a good team as well. No, basically, BYU, basically playing on their home field. I believe BYU will be a one seed. If they're not, they'll host at least three games if they keep winning. If they're a one seed, they could host up to four. Before Give them home. a one seed. They have earned and deserve a one seed, but I just have this sneaky suspicion that somehow they're going to end up on the two seed line. You going cougar board conspiracy here? They always give us the business. Uh, no, not so much. I just they didn't play particularly particularly well in the last game that the committee watched BYU in, and so it's like, yeah, uh, they should have won the tournament, and then they'd be a one seed. Resume is really good, though. And guess what? BYU's not in the WCC. They play in the... Uh, quality wins all over the place. All map. over the place. RPIs uh, reflect that. Give them a one seed. What are your expectations for BYU men's basketball tonight in their season opener against Houston Christian? Big win. Uh, BYU favored by 30-plus in Vegas. I don't expect a 30-point win. I do expect a 20-plus point win. TBD as to whether Dallin Hall is going to play tonight. I don't think he's going to play. We know Dawson Baker's out for a while. And so, uh, yeah, hopefully BYU gets a nice start. And then, hey, San Diego State, national runner-up. Dallin doesn't need to play. He doesn't need to play. 
Get right for San Diego State on Friday night. Uh, so, no, I, what I'm expecting, I'm expecting to not see Dallin Hall. And as you mentioned, Dawson Baker going to be out for a little while. But I expect BYU to shoot the ball from three better than they did last week. I want like, 43 attempts tonight. I don't even care how many go in. I just want to see 43. Like, the BYU shoot 33%? Like, they yeah. can do better than that. Yeah. I want 35-plus percent tonight from the three-point line. Let's go. You're better than that. You're better shooters than that. You You're better it. than that. You can do it. After You can do it. After further review, a lot to reveal. 7 Eastern tomorrow on the BYU TV app. All right, we'll recap the weekend in the Big 12 Roundup. Yeah. What a wild weekend, besides the BYU's game in West Virginia. <laughs> and prop picks after the break. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. And we're ready to play BYU basketball. Here we go from Provo. And we are underway. Something about being in the Big 12 shows it, drives it, and scores it. He gave it, and he got it, and he hammers it home. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Hoop it up! Loving those highlights. I'm Spencer Linton. Jerem Jordan has moved over to the Cougar Council Room where BYU men's basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson has joined him. Guys? All right, thanks, Spence. Uh, Nick, what a performance last night. I'm not sure what you expected, but uh, that was even better than what I was hoping for last night. What did, what did you see? Well, we expected the Rock to be in full force, which they were. We expected our guys to come out and play together. Uh, I'm not sure we expected uh, you know, quite the result that we got, but we were super pleased with the effort of our guys and super pleased that they were able to come out and execute what we asked them to do. Nowadays, people expect a lot of threes, but that was the most threes BYU had ever taken, 43. You made 15. How'd you feel about that number? Because that uh, was the most ever in BYU history. Yeah, I think we felt really good about that uh, number last night. Uh, you know, our guys uh, took great uh, shots uh, from the three-point line, and then we did an outstanding job of uh, offensive rebounding, which allowed us uh, some more opportunities from the three-point line. So I think we had 21 offensive rebounds. Um, but again, our guys did a great job of moving the basketball, playing with space and pace, um, which allowed us to be able to shoot that many. Now, there may be those that go, well, I, I don't know much about Houston Christian, like you're supposed to beat them big. I don't know if you're supposed to beat them by 47 or score 110, but what you guys did was perform well independent of opponent. And we'll get to San Diego State in a second, but 110 points, that's the most in the, the Pope era, which is you and this staff. How pleased were you with the flow of the offense? And again, this is with a team that has had some injuries here the last couple weeks. Yeah, I think Coach Pope and Coach Fee were really pleased with how our guys uh, played with pace. Uh, you know, Keegan Brown, our analytics guy, has been talking a lot about, um, you know, our pace uh, as well as our ability to be able to take care of the basketball, which we did last night um, in both areas. And so, uh, you know, for our guys to come out and execute uh, at that end of the floor, uh, which led to a lot of three-point shots, but it also led to uh, some really good baskets in the paint um, and some great ball movement. Um, so our guys, uh, you know, came out and they did that themselves. Uh, but I think they got a lot of uh, energy on the offensive side of the ball from their defensive effort as well. This team's played good defense the last couple of years. Uh, Ken Palm, you know, top 50 in there quite a bit, which frankly we're not that used to in BYU basketball history. It's like score a bunch and then play good enough defense. But why specifically is pace so important to this team? 
You know, I, I think as we continue to finish our defense, right, uh, we only allowed one offensive rebound um, last night, which was incredible, right, for us. Uh, but to be able to finish our defense, our guys get excited to be able to get out in transition. And so, you know, whether it's a make or a miss, uh, our ability to move on to the next play offensively um, is something that we've uh, talked a lot about right through the summer, into the fall, uh, and our guys are really embracing that. Uh, it's pretty exciting for everybody else to watch. It's exciting when you uh, perform like that last night. Um, okay, 110 points. 20 of those come from Spencer Johnson. That's a new career high. He is evolving. We're seeing new parts of his game. What sticks out the most in that evolvement? You know, one of, one of five guys that scored in double figures last night, you know, Spencer's ability to be able to see the game uh, before it happens. Um, you know, he's playing with a very... Uh, you know, fast pace, but in his mind, it feels like the game has slowed down to the point uh, to where he's able to make great decisions uh, regardless of the situation that he's in. And a lot of that just comes with experience. He's been in college basketball for a little while now, um, but we're, we're super excited that, you know, on night number one, right, he was able to walk away, I think, with seven assists and no turnovers. Um, you know, that, that's a great development for him um, despite the points because uh, we know that he will come out and guard uh, you know, at a very high level, uh, but to be able to play at that pace, um, you know, make his teammates better uh, and get that in return uh, from a point perspective was pretty exciting. He's the oldest player in college basketball, apparently. A couple of sources looking That's at officially. it. It's officially. The third <laughs> oldest player in college basketball is Trevin Nell, who had not played in 593 days in a, a meaningful game, and he comes out and scores 19 points. Yeah, I mean, to be able to have uh, Trevin back in the mix, um, you know, doing a solid job, uh, you know, defensively, but also to come out and I think he made the first three of the game uh, was a, a great uh, sign for us, but also for him uh, to be able to be back on the floor, back, uh, you know, in the Marriott Center uh, after a number of days uh, off. Uh, I know he was like, super excited about the opportunity, took advantage of it. And Noah Waterman is playing much better. Feels like he's, uh, you know, working hard to hit the glass, had eight rebounds and scored a BYU high 16 points last night. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, for Noah right now, he's playing great basketball. Um, he's doing a great job of keeping it simple on the offensive end. Um, he's doing a great job uh, defensively and also rebounding, which you mentioned. Um, you know, for him at his size and the progression that he's made, right, under Coach Pope's tutelage over the past uh, year and a bit, uh, um, is really, really exciting for all of our guys. What does the future look like in the front court with Ali Khalifa kind of getting in better shape? And, and Foose wasn't necessarily needed last night, six points, but did have nine rebounds. And Atiki Ali Atiki with a little bit of a thumb injury coming along. Because Noah is 6'11", but he's not like a true front court player. And when you get into the Big 12, obviously, you're going to see a little more size than last night. So what does that group kind of look like in terms of what you need and when you need them to maybe – uh, contribute a little more than what they did last night. Yeah, what's great about our front court right now is they're so uniquely different, right? Each guy has a different strength on the offensive end, and each guy brings something different strength-wise on the defensive end. And so, you know, Coach Pope's emphasis, uh, you know, with this team as they continue to lead, you know, the team uh, through the players and amongst each other, is to really capitalize on each other's individual strengths. And so, you know, as we progress to Friday versus San Diego State, we're going to really be tested uh, versus their front court, um, you know, and we hope that our strengths uh, will be uniquely enough to be able to uh, capitalize in ways that we need to. They've always been pretty good. Last year was the best year ever for San Diego State, all the way to the national title game. 
and it was it was fun to watch. Now they come into the Merritt Center, a team that you guys are familiar with. You've played every year um, here, which I hope you do, by the way. Do you guys want to play San Diego State every year still? You know, it's been an incredible series. Uh, we'll see what the future holds. Uh, but to this point, I think we're two and two in the series. This is kind and of the so rubber match, the best of five. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting because this is probably a quad one. You don't need that many in non-conference, but as a scheduler, you put it on there. I appreciate that, Nick. What, what does it mean to kind of play them again and you kind of know their personnel, although both teams obviously getting a couple new players, but this, is, this will be a real test and kind of to see where you're at in game two. Yeah, I mean, to have, again, right, a top 25 team in San Diego State. They're fresh off of uh, an amazing season last year. Um, you know, their style of play and what we're trying to do, right, is very different. And so, you know, it's exciting for us at this, you know, point in time of the year to be able to go up against San Diego State and find out exactly where we are as a team, right? Has, uh, you know, our summer progression, has each individual guy's development, um, has our fall and our training camp right in our precinct at this point uh, you know where are we at this particular stage in the year as we continue to try to progress to prepare for the Big 12. And the Big 12 play will certainly be a challenge as we know but we're seeing different uh, you know metrics is saying hey expectations are low for BYU. Others are a little higher than maybe expected. Ken Palm's top 40 right now. Lenardi has you fifth out. Jay Billis had you 55. TeamRanks.com is, is giving some favorable numbers. How do you guys approach kind of like okay we know we could be good we're a little banged up right now. We've started this journey and uh, we want to be good in March and November, of course, but how are you guys kind of approaching what this will take to be in the postseason in March? Yeah, I mean, all the analytics, right, as we know, right, Keegan, Coach Bob, the rest of the staff, we take those, you know, very seriously. But we also understand, right, that every single game is different. Um, at this particular stage, um, do the analytics matter? Maybe a little bit. Um, but for us, what matters most is that each guy individually and collectively gets better every day. And so, you know, the metrics that we're focused on right now uh, really isn't game-based, right? It's not nationally-based. It's really on what did we do in practice right yesterday? What did we do in practice last week? Um, you know, how are we, you know, functioning metrically, right, offensively and defensively with the internal goals that we have? And so, you know, what we can control really matters for us right now. And so we're really trying to take that one day at a time approach. It's easier said than done, um, but we really hope that that will then, you know, allow the other national metrics to take, um, you know, place as they need to. Well, best of luck uh, coming up Friday against San Diego State. Thanks for the time, and uh, good luck tomorrow on signing day. Big day for the program. We appreciate it, Nick. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Brand new edition of BYU Football with Kalani Satake and player guest Camden Garrett. 8.30 Eastern live on the BYU TV app. Who's going to start a quarterback? I bet it'll be asked again. And up next, BYU women's soccer earns a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and have a first-round rematch with one of the two teams to beat the Cougars this season. Do we like the opening matchup? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Yesterday I had a chance to speak with one of the young receivers making a larger role uh, for playing a larger role for BYU, I should say, Parker Kingston. And guess what? 
He's ready to take some accountability and ready for the BYU offense to get back on track. That and more discuss in my one-on-one. Parker, new Monday, new week, Iowa State in Provo on Saturday night. What is your personal approach to working through a frustrating game like you had against West Virginia to get yourself mentally prepared for another week and another tough challenge? Yeah, um, just going over the film, seeing what we did wrong, seeing what we can correct, seeing what we can get better on, uh, moving on, just put it in, just forget about it, move on, and focus on this week and coming out in front of LES, being able to play in front of our fans is – we're going to have the energy, we're going to have the hype, and we're going to come out strong this week. So, Now, I know that you're a football junkie. You watch the film closely. So what did you notice about the game film, and what's the number one thing that needs to be fixed in order for BYU to find success again? Yeah, I would just say um, coming together as a whole, uh, just doing our 111th, everyone doing their job to be able to set the offense up, set whoever up has the ball up for – for a good play, uh, just trust in the play calls, trust in our coaches. And I think that'll really be the spark that uh, lets us go. How was the offense different with Jake Retzloff at quarterback? Um, I wouldn't say there was much of a difference, but he was able to run it, run it just as well. Um, he's able to, he's able to use his legs a lot, extend the plays, be able to create a, create plays with, when stuff breaks down with his legs, be able to throw on the run. So it was cool to see him do that and him be able to get the ball out. And he was, he was slinging it all over. Parker Kingston is with us on BYU sports nation. As you, again, you review the film, was it more that West Virginia was doing things to make it difficult for your offense? Or do you feel like a lot of what happened was more self-inflicted? Self-inflicted for sure. I felt like we were moving the ball well, but then we just have those one or two self-inflicted uh, errors that would uh, derail us. And I think if we can clean those up, that our offense is going to be something special. You mentioned coming home, having the energy at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's a night game. It's a yeah. chance to reset. What it is? What is it about night games at Lavelle Edwards Stadium that make you feel like we're going to be a totally different team this go around? Yeah, I just think uh, we feed off that energy from the crowd. The crowd comes, they, they're going wild, they're going crazy. And I think uh, our team feeds off that love. We love playing under the lights at Lavelle, and I don't think there's a better place to play than here. So, Now, whether Keaton Slova starts or it's Jake Retzloff again, how much do things change for the wide receiver group in your assignments? Uh, not much. I think we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing, uh, clean up on the little things and keep rolling. What has been the message from your coaches as you try and get right and get ready for Iowa State? Yeah. Uh, just doing our 111th, uh, being being assignment sound, not having stupid mistakes like we've had, and uh, just click and compete with one another and bond together and roll forward. What would earning a sixth win mean to you and this team? getting bowl eligible and and being able to do so against Iowa state this weekend. Yeah, I think it'll be huge being able to get to a bowl game. Uh, I think we'll be able once we get that bowl game win, then I think it'll, it'll push us even more to be able to get to a better bowl game than what we'd be at if we just had a six win. Right. But uh, last year when we got that sixth win, I felt like our whole season turned around and I think it'll do the same this year. 
it's always a steep learning curve when you start to see the field a lot and you're still a relatively young player. Where do you feel like you have grown the most over the course of this season? Uh, just the knowledge for the receiver position, uh, understanding the route concepts, the routes, understanding the coverages and how and the leverages that the defenses will play. Um, blocking is probably the biggest one for me. Uh, I never blocked my whole life. So being able to like learn the technique of blocking and doing that is probably the biggest learning curve I've had. It can be a challenge, I'm sure, especially against these big 12 cornerbacks. But I guess, how has that changed your perception of what power five football is all about? Yeah. Um, I mean, there there's dudes that we play against every week. There's no like walk in the park that we'll have uh, playing against guys who are one of the highest rated recruits coming out of high school. There's some, there's some dogs out there and we just got to come ready to go. Um, it's different from last year because we would have like a Dixie. I, we'd play Utah tech probably around this time last year where we'd have like a little bit of like a break, but now we're playing Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Iowa state. So just got to come prepared every week. Parker, it's great to catch up with you, man. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to share with your team for a huge game against Iowa State. Can't wait to watch you back at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Thank you. Thank you. Parker Kingston on BYU Sports Nation. He's blocking now. Never had to do that before in his life. I blocked plenty of people just on Twitter. <laughs> Listen to the newest Deep Blue podcast with Jason Shepard as he talks with Spencer Johnson about his journey to his fourth school, expecting his first child during the season and becoming one of the top players on BYU's first Big 12 team. It's on the BYU Radio app and where podcasts are found. For due dates, right around that Kansas trip. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we'll wrap up today's show with the top five plays from BYU basketball's record night. Did Spencer Johnson make the list? With BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation for Top 5 Tuesday. We moved over to the big board to discuss the biggest and top five plays from last night's BYU basketball season opening win against Houston Christian. Number five, Trevor Nail makes the first bucket of the game. It's his first three-pointer, and it's his first game in 593 days. Oh, the form. The pure form. Finished with 19 points and made five threes, baby. He is a pure shooter, man. At number four, how about a guy who just sees the floor so well? Ali Khalifa. Watch him on the offensive rebound. Little tap over to Dallin Hall for the easy layup. Beautiful vision. Dallin Hall found Richie Saunders for a corner three, but Ollie there to clean up the mess. Dallin puts it home in his limited minutes. Number three, Trey Stewart diving for a loose ball. Get on the floor! Gets the assist to Spencer Johnson for the layup. Great hustle from Trey Stewart, who had his first start in a BYU uniform. Junior now. Nice bucket by Gordon double Johnson. figures. Absolutely. Attaboy, Trey. At number two, Spencer Johnson looking for Trey Stewart. Guess what? He found him. For the dunk on the fast break. And how about the boosties from Trey Stewart? Super athlete. Hope to see more of that on the Marriott Center floor. Career high 10 for Trey, which was awesome. Tied uh, Spencer Johnson's assist career high as well. Yeah, seven. seven. And the top play in the game last night, Ali Khalifa taps the ball in the rebound out to Jackson Robinson. Little, little post catch. Oh! Cut and dunk. And then Jackson hangs on the rim. Just kind of bumps it. 
think it was Tristan Moore here. I love how subtle it is. Yeah. Oh! Ready? Hangs on it. Get out the way! <laughs> Those are the top five plays. Some last things. Send the message. Our question of the day. Back to BYU football. Quarterback controversy? If Keaton Slovis is healthy, who should start a quarterback for BYU? Do you stay with Jake Retzloff or do you bring Slovis back into the mix? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Jason Gustafson, who says on Facebook, I trust Slovis to get BYU bowl eligible at night at home with his experience. But is he healthy? If he's healthy, great. You throw him back in there. He's good. But if it's not going well, Jake Retzloff better be ready. Like, BYU just needs to win the game, Smith. I don't care about who it is. Because if BYU doesn't win Saturday, you have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. That is a tall task, so you got to win Saturday. Yes, get that dub. Okay, two for Tuesday. Yeah. Second question is this. What was the most surprising part of BYU men's basketball's performance against Houston Christian? Sydney Bowerbank on Instagram says, I am pleasantly surprised indeed. Still unsure of what to expect this year, but putting up 110 points against any team is impressive. Hasn't happened in seven years. She continues, it went much better than preseason games last year. <laughs> Makes me excited for San Diego State on Friday. Let's go. Yeah, we'll see what that means for Friday. I don't know that there's a ton of connective tissue, but we'll see, man. Um, BYU's ability to get up threes and rebound. And up, it's going to be a different challenge against SDSU, yeah. but let's go. Now for today's Rise and Shoutout, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We're number one, a number one seed. BYU women's yes! soccer. Got it for the first time and only second time ever since 2012. We were hoping for this, and now BYU can host, should it win, right, all the way up to the Elite Eight through the Elite Eight, and then go to the College Cup. BYU needs to win four home games and then go back to a College Cup for the second time in three years. They can absolutely yes. do it, Spence. Yes. BYU struggled at home with some ties, haven't lost at home, but they have a clear path now, yes. baby, at Southfield. If chalk prevails, it would be Utah State, USC, Harvard, Texas Tech. Heck, the two seed. And the College Cup. Okay, then. All right, so our thanks to today's guests. Nick Robinson and Parker Kingston. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Jared Jensen. We'll see you tonight for After Further Review and BYU Football with Kalani Sitake on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs! Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content for us to be on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to the show. We are live in Studio B. Well, Jerem, uh, Isaac Davison, great personality. Okay, that's half of uh, the mix here today. Should we bring in the other half, Brooks Barr? 6'4 guard. Oh, excuse me. We're going to get to Brooks in just a little bit. We will go into the headlines first. So let's roll out those Wednesday headlines. Good football searching for answers ahead of a big game with Iowa State. Defense coordinator Jay Hill says the Cougars will be without Caden Haas, John Nelson on the D-line, John Henry Daly, and Marcus McKenzie on special teams Saturday. But Talon Alfrey has a chance to come back this week at safety. Jay, what are you guys working on this week? Right now, we're, we looked better um, for a couple weeks stopping the run, and then last week we weren't very good. There's been weeks where we've been really good stopping the pass, and then the next week we're not as good as we need to be. So those in inconsistencies need to be cleaned up. Um, execution of scheme continue to be cleaned up a little bit. And I think the biggest thing that showed up in that last game with West Virginia, we just we didn't compete like we had in the previous weeks. In other news, the Ray Guy Award names punter Ryan Rico one of Ray's eight performers of the week. This is the third time Rico has been recognized this season, which is a good and bad thing. 
BYU men's basketball, as we mentioned, has signed Isaac Davis and Brooks Barr. We'll talk to Brooks in just a little bit as part of the 2024 signing class. Davis, 6'8", forward, three-star prospect, and the top prospect in the state of Idaho. Take that, Spuddy Buddy. Barr, a 6'4", guard out of Keller, Texas, three-star as well, and the 132nd player ranked in the 2024 class according to 24-7 Sports. Women's basketball trailed by as many as 14 before coming back to win 68-60 at Montana State yesterday, led by freshman guard Amari Whiting, who's coming off an ACL tear. Played her first college basketball game, scored 18 points, seven rebounds, five assists, had seven turnovers, but all good. Freshman Kaylee Woolston, Boston transfer Lauren Davenport, and senior Kaylee Smiler all scored in double figures. Lauren Gustin had nine points, 11 rebounds. Up next, the kids game, Weaver State at home Friday at 1 Eastern. That's a whole lot of shrill back-to-back -back games for BYU. The performance was shrilling, it really was. <laughs> Aaron Livingston named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week for BYU Women's Volleyball. Third time she has picked up that honor this season. After recording 38 kills in two matches, both were in three sets yes. against Cincinnati. Six kills per set. Whoa! Livingston is fourth in the Big 12 in kills per set and points per set this season. And congrats to Tom Homo, the National Football Foundation and College Hall of Fame announced today. He will be the recipient of the 2023 NFF John L. Toner Award, which honors excellence in athletics administration. He'll be honored in Vegas December 5th. Those are today's headlines. Let's share some opinions and whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. 43 of BYU women's hoops, 68 points were scored by newcomers yesterday. Is that concerning or promising? That's way more promising because guess what? BYU's going to get Nani Falatea back. You know, it's super sad that Ari Mackie Williams is out for the season, torn ACL. Yeah. But they're going to get Nani Falatea back. So if BYU's young players can do this in the meantime, this only means good things for the future. And when Nani gets back, now you have some experienced players that are, yes, young, but like they've, they've played meaningful moments early. This is promising to me. I'm asked to read this question. I have zero concern. Uh, yeah. Because BYU signed a really good class. Uh, I, I would argue one of the best classes of any BYU team, uh, bringing in some real talent. And they showed up in game one. Woolston and Whiting got the start yeah. as true freshmen. That's amazing. And they did great. That's a team that BYU lost to last year in Provo. Okay, so younger players on the, the road, page, tough game. Better, Love better on defense, second year. We just talked about Erin Livingston. Third time she's won the Offensive Player of the Week for the Big 12 Conference. Some crazy numbers. Should she be in the conversation for Big 12 Women's Volleyball Player of the Year? It's kind of a dark horse in that conversation, certainly, especially if BYU finishes second, but I, I don't think she'd be the player. I, I would pick, a, there's a couple of options from Texas. Yeah, I feel like BYU probably needs to win the league to have a player in that conversation. Texas is up by like four games. Yeah, it's, it, Texas has figured it out. Yeah, well, over a long period of time. BYU's new here. <laughs> Welcome to the neighborhood. Oh no, I'm just saying like they, Texas got up to a slow start this season. Oh, lost right. some matches. Yeah. They seem to have figured it out. Yeah, boohoo. They lost a couple matches. All right. Yeah, yeah they haven't lost in Big 12 play. They're awesome. Um, will Ryan Rico be a finalist for the Ray Guy Award? Yes. The best punter? Yes, BYU. Like, they've punted enough. So he's good. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be a finalist. The last two years, BYU was too good, and uh, he didn't qualify and all this stuff, and blah, blah, blah. I love it and hate it. Right? Yeah, he's, he's awesome. 
And uh, unfortunately, the BYU offense has given him too many punts this year. Great weapon. Hopefully, Ryan's rarely used the next three games. We'll see. <laughs> Love Ryan, though. No bigger fan of Ryan than, uh, <laughs> than us. So let's go. Good news. Chocolate Cougar Tails making a return. Dave McCann, big fan. <laughs> yes, he is. Should this just become a permanent option? I would like multiple choice here. When I went to the testing center and took tests, I didn't like the ones that weren't multiple choice. I want maple and chocolate. Okay. And then you throw out occasions like homecoming week. A strawberry? Uh, strawberry frosting? The, the bacon on it. You okay. You do a strawberry, yeah. But like chocolate should be an option always. Why not? It's a donut. I get the whole cougar tail maple thing, but like, it's now it's just a donut. I don't even know if people associate it with like, oh, it's like maple because of a cougar. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if that's much of a thing anymore. BYU was stuck in the Navy uniform combo forever, right? It's like, ah, oh, that's what we do. It's what we do. Tradition. Wear the tradition. Then Royal has now kind of like taken over. I feel like the chocolate cougar tail could do this. The way that the fans respond to it when it happens, like I feel like. It should be like the royal combo. Where it's what? like, just embrace it, and what's it might the, become even more popular. What's the point of making the donuts against Spence? To sell them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And it's not surprising Two. that you sell a ton when the chocolate cougar tails are made. Make the money. Yes. Hey, Friday night. NCAA tournament, women's soccer, first round. Oh, only two teams beat BYU all year. Utah State's one of them. Mountain West champs coming in. BYU, one seed, baby. Eight Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Unfortunately, we've got a little bit of crossover there with men's hoops and soccer, but guess what? We'll have multiple devices. Our question today is this. What do you expect from Jake Retzloff in his first home start? Our Elite Voice of the Day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated, Nolan Mickelson on X. I expect him to lead the Vampire Cougs to a victory, which will secure a bowl berth in our first year as a P5. No pressure, Jake. Iowa State's going for a bowl game as well, and they have a tough uh, last two games. What is it, Kansas State and Texas? Yeah. Woo, okay. Hey, we got the black unis, the chocolate. There's a lot of tails. awesome happening tomorrow night. Today's Rise and Chat Up, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Although signing day, folks, welcome to BYU, brand new Cougs. We look forward to spotlighting awesome. you right here on this show. Thanks to today's guests, Hans Olsen and Mark Durant. Sorry, Dennis, ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on all our platforms. For Dave, I'm Jeremy. Shout out to Katie Larkin. Go Cougs! The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next on BYUSN, BYU football's offense on an historic pace for all the wrong reasons. So what's the solution to fixing the Cougar offense? On the hoops front, head coach Mark Pope adds two three-star recruits to BYU's 2024 class. Who are they and what do they bring to BYU? Women's hoops went on the road and came back to win at Montana State. Why the future is bright right now for the Cougar freshmen. And we play Know the Foe, Iowa State edition. How much do we know about corn? Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to BYU Sports Station, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, November 8th. Congratulations to all of you on surviving another election day. I am Spencer Linton. 
He is a man who's working on that custom putter, Jerem Jordan. I wish, man. Uh, I don't have a uh, putter cover, so I'm not super legit. Like, when I play with someone that has the cover for the putter, I'm like, whoa. Just a cover? So that's a little much for me. Buddy, uh, I can help you out. I have a few extras if you'd like one. I'm good. I don't, I'm, I don't want to be that fancy. I'm good. Thank you, though. Um, Cam Garrett and Kalani Sitake last night on uh, BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, they played a fun game where they would have to answer a question, and then they'd, they could – uh, put a little closer if they got it or not. But at the very end, Kalani and, and Cam oh! nailing putts from deep. It, those are harder than it, they look, right? But Kalani clutched from uh, what he called Jimmer range. Check this out. See? Okay. He okay. and Camden. Nice. All right. Nice. That's a Camden nice level floor in open. Studio C, which takes away some of the difficulty. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the gra- what's the grade there? It's pretty low. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. That was were, pretty fun. Were those greens sanded yeah. and punched? Uh, they did not. Yeah. Well, hold on. I got to admit something here. First, I got to get a drink. <laughs> okay. I lived in Glenmore, uh, the neighborhood in South Jordan, when I first moved to Utah when I was 11 to 13. We would sneak onto the Glenmore golf course. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about golf. So I, I just with an iron one day just went to hit a ball. I didn't know. I just, just boom. Nice took big a chunk out of the green. Don't, don't invoice me for that <laughs> from 1996. Like, we're good, right? Oh, listen, with inflation. <laughs> Statute with, of limitations. Yeah, the damage that that would have inflicted at that time with inflation. You're yeah. probably at 200 bucks, buddy. Some guy's yelling on, at me, bro. get out of here. It's at dusk. We thought everyone was gone. Anyway, oh, yeah. it's good I don't stuff. do that now. I just, I just chunk it. Later. Live and learn. Listen, I was just taking the chunks out of my own front yard, much to my yeah. dad's chagrin. Yeah. Why? Why, you would, why yeah. would you do this? Use the plastic ones. I, yeah. I don't know. Just practicing my golf game. Just working on my craft. <laughs> Oh, that said, all rise and shout. We've got to lock in for what's trending. One thing we'll never do is lay down. We'll never quit. We've got to go back to the drawing board and start fresh again. We know that we're going to fight to the end, and we've got to go out there and attack. Well, you got to respect the no-quit attitude from BYU football. What's Trending, presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. The Cougars are headed for history in a number of ways when it comes to their offense. Typically, when we bring up that phrase, it's like, oh, yeah, things are awesome. Record touchdown passes and passing yards, and this offense is explosive. It's been for all of the wrong reasons, okay? Uh, we're, gonna, we're going to examine some of the historically bad numbers for BYU football and what they are pacing for. This is verbal open-heart surgery here. Okay, we have to address what's actually happening and then maybe discuss some solutions to the problems. But before we really dive into that surgery, we have to understand how bad it is. Okay, the patient needs to explain just how bad it is, and then we'll see if we can't begin to fix this thing. BYU is on pace, Jerem, to rush for a total, as an entire team, 956 yards. So let's put that in context. Mm -hmm. The last time BYU failed to reach 1,000 yards rushing as a team was in 1942, when the Battle of Midway was raging (laughs) in the Pacific. That's the first year BYU beat Utah, by the way. The Cougars rushed for 842 yards that season, and you think, okay, that's not good. They did it in seven games. BYU has a 12-game regular season schedule, and they're on pace for under 1,000. Not good. Okay? Second number. BYU has still yet to reach 400 yards of offense in any single game 
this season. And they haven't done that since 1964. That's actually shocking because Virgil Carter and Phil Odell were uh, slinging it back then. I'm surprised by that one. I can't believe BYU didn't do it against Southern Utah. Virgil Carter had a 599 total offense game himself. Maybe that was 65. Remember when BYU ran for 550 yards as a team in one game against Texas? I do remember that. <laughs> I, I do remember 550 that. 550 in one game. Mm-hmm. So BYU is one of two Power 5 teams to not reach 400 yards in a game this season. Yeah, Joining yeah, this Iowa. Iowa. <laughs> I was so bad at What? I, we all make fun of Iowa for the past however long for having traditionally the worst offense in college football. BYU unfortunately, is in that conversation this season. Iowa's defense is elite. That's the difference between the two teams. All right. They can afford it. Some other numbers, and we'll breeze through these and then yeah, get great, to the solutions. Yeah, great numbers. Keep it going. Don't you feel great? I feel wonderful. You feel so great right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Keep going. is currently on pace for just under 3,600 yards of offense this season. It would be the first time the Cougars finished a season with fewer than 4,000 yards of offense in 20 years. 2003. That was a terrible year. Losing record. Yep. BYU went five and seven. Mm-hmm. Tough and schedule. Lost in that horrible snow game to Utah in the regular season. I was on my mission. I was when I found out that score. I was in a very bad mood all day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So if BYU finishes with those 3,576 yards, which they're on pace for, it would mark the fewest yards of offense by a BYU team since. Before the Lavelle Edwards era in yeah. 1971 when they were 32-44. Tommy Hudspeth's last year, then Lavelle's head coach in the next year. Wow. Okay, we'll finish with this. BYU's high rushing mark this season as a team is 150 yards in a game against Texas Tech. And you and I sat on this desk and we're like, wow, they had it in them. 150. We didn't know. Woo! We hated that we were excited about that number, yeah. but nonetheless, it's the season high. That's a, that's a good number generally. The last season, BYU failed to rush for at least 200 yards in one game. One game was 2,000 in Lavelle's final season. Add all that together, you get the point. It has been rough, bad, downright miserable for BYU's offense in a lot of ways this season. Yeah, I'm in a bad mood after all. Right? (laughs) I'm sorry. But again, just, just to paint a picture of how bad it has been so that you then can maybe look at the picture and say, all right, what's the next step in the right direction? How does BYU make this thing a little bit better? Where do the solutions begin for you? Well, first off, if I actually had those answers, uh, they would have been shared several times ago, <laughs> and I would be paid much more than I am. Um, one is play at home and play at night. Luckily, it's Saturday. That's what's going to happen, and we think against Oklahoma. Another would be, um, you know, obviously, you got to get your chemistry uh, as tight as possible, you got to work together. And, and looking forward to next year, because I don't think that you can just suddenly change this, is upgrade the talent, and obviously you got to coach them up better. Another thing is, uh, you know, play worse teams. That's the thing. So BYU right now, the teams that BYU beat are 14 and 31, 31% winning percentage. Like BYU beat the bad teams on its schedule. The teams that BYU lost to have won 69% of their games this year. They're 25 and 11. Uh, only TCU has a losing record, by the way, among the four losses. NBA has not beaten a team with a winning record. Come on, Texas Tech. The record of the remaining three is 19-8. and eight. So it's not looking good. Um, this offense has got to figure it out. They've just got to do enough. The real key to winning is the defense creating takeaways that put BYU in position yep. to 
score on short fields. That's the way that BYU works with this offense. Uh, this has been very disappointing. Um, there's, there's some talent here. We thought that this O-line was going to pick up where they had been the last two years. They have not. Uh, we thought that QB play would continue at a certain level. It has not. We've talked about how it's all synergistic uh, negatively uh, in that space. It can be yes. positively synergistic as well. The O-line has a nice game on Saturday. Suddenly you can get a run game. Suddenly you can play action. Suddenly you can do some things you haven't been doing. That's certainly the hope, but it's not looking good, man. There is no easy solution to this. It feels like, in the words of Trevor Maddish, it can't really be fixed this season. You can maybe try and find a few Band-Aids here and there. We're nine games in. Yeah, it's, it's too late. Plus, do we think we know uh, schematically more than uh, the offensive staff? No. No. Uh, no. I'm a commentator, not a, a schemer. No, but I can offer a general idea yep. that has been shared by the likes of Dr. Craig Manning, who is a sports psychologist. Yeah, we're going there. If I'm looking... by, hey, by the way, he's back at BYU. Yes, I no saw one, him the other day. No one said it out loud. I've been waiting for BYU to announce it, so I'm just saying it now. Dr. Manning, welcome back. Now, why is he so important? Real quick, and then, and then back to your point. He was the sports psychologist for BYU previous to uh, going to the Cleveland and Milwaukee. Those teams won titles under his watch. I'm not saying he won their titles, but certainly he aided in that process. Big time get to bring him back to yes. BYU. Continue. So great to have him in Provo. He reminds athletes often to start, obviously, internally with the little things. Okay. So for me, the solution to just trying to fix this thing starts with fixing yourself individually, which helps the overall culture. But can BYU be, on an individual basis, every single player that sees the field, can you just be a little bit better? Can you be a little bit better? Because if you have a lot of individuals being a little bit better, then that adds up to something that maybe makes a difference. And that's going to take more effort. You're going to have... You're going to have to do things that you've probably never done before because of the wall of adversity that is in front of BYU and what they have to overcome and what they are. Like, if you want to try and be a little bit better, like, you're going to have to change something. And it probably starts internally and mentally with the harsh individual look and accountability and saying, okay, I haven't been good here. I'm going to try and get better here. And then you add up a lot of different individual efforts, and hopefully it manifests itself on the field. Just be you, be a little bit better, and then when you are a little bit better, you're probably in a position where you can hold your teammates more accountable. BYU has no leader, like straight up like dog vocal leader on the team. Who is it? Who's the guy that's like telling their teammates they need to pick it up? Who's been good enough to be able to point at other teammates and say, you need to get better? That's a problem. You need, Chase Roberts. Yeah, okay. Maybe Darius Lassiter at times. Darius. Right? Darius is a hurt. Defensively. Who's that guy? Jacob Beretti. I don't know. It, they're not vocal. They, that's what I'm saying. They may have to change what they do. Like, just who they are. Do things they've never done before, which is be more vocal. Be more in the face of guys. People need to be held accountable, and it probably is going to matter more coming from teammates that are performing at a high level, more so than the coaches at this point. Coaches can try. We're nine games in, to your point. It, it's, it seems, I don't know, maybe a little bit trite to, to point to something like that, but I really don't know where else to start than that very, very beginning point of, okay, look internally. we got to find some accountability 
for yourself, and then when you're better, you can hold others accountable around you. That's, to me, how BYU gets a little bit better and tries to win this game against Iowa State and push need, it forward. Need to win it or a bowl game might not happen. Seriously. Topic two. BYU men's hoop signs two players, Isaac Davis and Brooks Barr. Let's tell you about him, Davis. Six foot eight forward, enters a senior at Hillcrest High School having in Idaho, having averaged about 16 points a game, nine rebounds. Three-star recruit, top prospect in the state of Idaho, according to 24-7 Sports, back-to-back for a state titles. He is going to play right away at BYU. And then Brooks Barr, mission kid uh, first, six-foot-four guard, signs with the Cougars out of Keller, Texas, three-star, 132nd-ranked player in the country in the class of 24, uh, district offensive MVP, 21 a game, about six boards, four assists, and three steals. He's okay. a lefty. Shooter. Uh, combo guard. What do you think of these two signees? I like it. I like, listen, getting Brooks Barr late was really, really important for this Mark Pope era and this coaching staff because they had lost out on a few big-time recruits that typically would sign with the likes of BYU. BYU's in their To USC and Utah and TCU. Yes. Um, And so you kind of understand maybe the Pac-12 crowd comment a little bit from last week a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I really like these two guys. This is really big that, that, that BYU secured Barr along with Isaac Davis. Um, Isaac's been in for a while. We haven't been able to talk about him officially because it hasn't been, you know, on record through the school officially. But he's been yeah, committed yeah. for a while. And Isaac, he kind of he's, – he's built a little bit like Paul Millsap. And I, I like his game. Strong, he's a bro. great athlete. 6A and strong. Strong like, dude. Like, like Foose with a jumper. Yeah, like, like that's why I say Paul Millsap, yes. right? He's got a little bit yes. more range. Yes, good rebounder, good everything. Like that, that's a big pickup, honestly. That is a big pickup. And then Barr, we'll see in a couple years, obviously after the mission. Yeah, but uh, he he's a kid that I think is gonna have real success in the Big Twelve. A kid from the Dallas area. Um, BYU Keller can always use more shooters in Dallas. Always. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm stoked that BYU got these two guys. Were they hoping for a couple other guys? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but who knows what the roster. Uh, makeup looks like in the next couple of years. But I'm really excited about the idea of next year. Colin Chandler coming off a mission, Isaac Davis, uh, Brooks Barn a couple of years, Marcus Adams Jr. getting healthy mm-hmm. and able to play next year for sure. Senior Foos. And then you have Baker, Hall, Nell, Saunders, Stewart, Robinson, Atiki, Traore, Khalifa, and maybe Waterman, depending on a potential extra year. That's There's your 13 scholarship. Now you ready. feel old I and sure. A couple guys will bounce. A couple guys will come in. But, like, I like that group. There's some young talent with some real experience. That feels like a team that could vie for the tournament next year. I'm excited about that group. I, I like that Isaac's going to get to work with a guy like Foos because Foos is so good with, like, he, he plays bigger than he is because he's good with his footwork and he's strong. Isaac's that type of player, but as, as you mentioned, better shooter. So maybe he can extend the defense a little bit. Davis and Adams are six eight guys that can stretch the floor, that can get it off the bounce, like, BYU's upgrading in talent, which is exciting. Let's, Let's go. go. BYU did not sign a high school kid last year, by the way. So it's cool to see two this year. Yes. Guys didn't have, didn't have one. Guys that wanted BYU initially, not from the portal. Like dudes that are in on BYU from the get-go. That matters. And you were concerned about that. I was concerned. So I'm happy today. Yeah. <laughs> You're stocking an RM for two years from now as well. Let's Our go. question of the day. What's the solution as we go back to football for BYU to fix things on offense, Chauncey Jones on X answers, I don't know if it can be fixed at this point. Game 10 this week, and yeah. at this point in the season, you know who you are as an offense. 
let's call a spade a spade. The offense yeah. isn't good. Yeah. No finger pointing because there are issues across the board. Just do enough to scrape out one more win. You could not have encapsulated and summarized my thoughts any better. What's the peak of what BYU has done this year? Texas Tech at home? In what way? Like the best that they played. The, the best, best that BYU has played. Arkansas. Arkansas, you go on the road, and you are down 14, and you still come back and win. Okay. They showed a lot in that. And you were up two scores late. You give up a score or whatever. The first half against Texas Tech was pretty stinking good, too. Yeah. Like that was good football. When you're handed two fumbles, that's great. Right. You're playing physical. Yeah. BYU literally didn't earn those. They were just given those fumbles. Like, that was lucky. Okay. So, at Arkansas, maybe a little bit of Texas Tech. And we've seen the bottom in the last two weeks. And yeah. at TCU. Yeah, those three are the bottom. Hey, so is the middle good enough to beat Iowa State at home? I don't BYU know. Iowa State's hope. defense is good, dude. I know. <sighs> Hashtag BYUS on X, Facebook, and Instagram so. to join the conversation. Do you think it can be fixed? And if so, what is it? <sighs> Deep, man. BYUSN game day, Saturday, 8 Eastern time. We got two hours of goodness outside the stadium, inside the stadium, featuring Bronson Kafusi as a guest analyst. Go, Bronson! Saturday, 8 Eastern on BYU TV. We were just talking about Isaac Davis. You know what we should do? We should have him on the show. Let's do it. He's going to join us next to discuss why he picked BYU, who does he look at as a role model in the game of basketball, and what's got him most excited about being a Cougar. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Signing day for BYU men's basketball. We already talked about the two recruits. We're going to talk to one of them right now and the other later. And the first up is... Isaac Davis, BYU men's basketball commit, 6'8 forward. Isaac, welcome to BYU basketball and BYU Sports Nation. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. All right. It's great that you're really good at basketball and all, but we need to let the people know what you did in football this year. Okay, courtesy of uh, our guy Nate Mickle, who was recording the end of a football game. This is just to show what an unbelievable athlete you are, Isaac. Walk us through this play, this Hail Mary to win the game. Yeah. So he was our, you know, second string quarterback and he didn't play the whole game. And so <laughs> coach was like, hey, Isaac and Tyson, we need you for this play. And I was like, oh, no, what's, like, what's going to happen? And so Tyson was like warming up. And so they lined us out on the, he lined me on the outside and he just said, Isaac, just run and go get the ball. So I was like, okay. And so he throws the ball and it was like the weirdest thing. It was like the light was in the way. And then I was like kind of blinded. And as soon as the ball came down, I saw a little black little, Shape for it, and then I just went and grabbed it. And I just ran off for a touchdown, and then yeah, we won the game. Just your typical like six eight <laughs> receiver. Are you? Were you? Are you like weird, a D huh? lineman? Like what did you play in football? I played defensive end. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Throw the D end out there. That's just like a. And that was in the state tournament. That was in the playoffs. That was. Oh, you're playing. Uh, sorry, that was in the regular season. You're in I'm the state tournament. I win the playoffs. Yeah. Who, who are you playing this week? 
We play Skyline again for the oh, state championship. Oh, oh for yeah. the state title this weekend? This is for the state title, Oh, yeah. my goodness. Tell me there's an Isaac Davis special in there somewhere in the playbook. Yeah, it's called it's called Night Train. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Night Train. <laughs> Throw it up, baby. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, congratulations on that. We're so excited right. that uh, you're coming to BYU. You committed verbally a while back. We've, we've been, uh, you know, hoping, hey, sign on that dotted line. What was it about BYU and its program that enticed you the most? Honestly, it's just it's like it's home for me. You know, I went to like a lot of football games and like the fans are just fantastic. You know, just being there, it's just like wow, it's like it ain't nothing like it. And like one of my close he's like a brother to me, Yoli Childs, you know, he's mm. been like a huge role model to me. And I just wanted to follow in his footsteps, you know, and want to make it to BYU sometime. And you know what, here I am. And I'm very blessed to be here. And the coaches give me the opportunity. I'm excited to be a part of the family. As far as your skill set goes, you mentioned Yoli Childs. Is that how you would explain the type of player that you are and that you're trying to become? Is it following in Yoli's footsteps? Yeah, I want to be like Yoli. You know, he was a great pass maker. You know, he dominated, he rebounded. And I just feel like I can impact the game in that way for BYU. So, yeah. Uh, what what in this process struck you as like, okay, I've got to be there and and I, I have to go to BYU in this? You mentioned a few things, but in your in your recruitment, what stuck out where you're like, okay, now I know that I want to be there? Honestly, you know, just talk to my family. You know, I just, you know, I'm a member of the LDS church, you know, and I've been praying about it. And I just, it just felt like it was the right decision to make, you know, because other schools, you know, it was fun, but like it wasn't like, you know, BYU, like there was something different about it. So, yeah. Isaac, how do you feel about the prospect of joining BYU basketball now that they are playing in America's toughest college basketball conference, the Big 12? It's all, it's a, it's a great opportunity. You know, there's a lot of, like, not a lot of kids out there, you know, that get the chance to do that. So I'm very blessed, you know, God put me in a very great position to, you know, with my skill set, you know, the personality I have, you know, I'm very grateful to, be a part of that and play the game that I love. Who do you know on the team or that will be on the team? Because there's a guy like Colin Chandler in London on his mission. There's Brooks Barr who also signs, but he's going to go on a mission. And there's uh, guys currently on the roster now. Yeah, um, me and Marcus. <laughs> me and Marcus are tight. You know, he just texted me before. He's like, you sign, let's go, bro. It's about to be crazy this, you know, next season. So, yeah, I'm pumped to play with everybody on the team. I'm excited. I'm They're all brothers to me. Yeah. I'm excited about a lot of returners. Only Spencer Johnson is for sure out of eligibility, but then it's Chandler mm -hmm. off a mission yourself, Marcus Adams Jr., who he'll be able to play next year. We don't know about a waiver for this year, but that's a good group of, of young talent with experience. Are you already anxious to play here, even though it's like a year away? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to leave. I'm trying to come play, man. I'm trying to come hoop. You know, play with the best. You want to play against San Diego State Friday? Can you get down here? I mean, I'll try. I mean, I would love to. I would love to. You got a state championship football game. Today, he's a little right? busy. Yeah, yeah win the state little, championship. Again, come but on after, down, though, bro. After, come up. after, I'll come up. <laughs> Isaac Davis, BYU basketball commit, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU fans are always interested in who their commits were interested in, but ultimately BYU wins out so that, you know, they can kind of feel like, ha, we got him and you guys didn't. So who else was, <laughs> in, who else was in the mix for you as you considered other schools along with BYU? Oh, there's too many. There's too many. I ain't, I ain't trying to go crazy and all that, man. <laughs> <laughs> crazy and all that, man. Who, who took second? 
Ooh, who took second? Utah State for sure. Utah State mm. for sure. That place is pretty dope, but BYU's better. BYU's better. If BYU uh, wasn't in the Big 12, would you have still come to BYU, or was the Big 12 a big thing for you? Ooh. I mean. <laughs> it, was a, it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. For sure. Yeah, when you think about the likes of playing against Houston and Kansas and Baylor in front of the Rock in the Marriott Center, what does that make you think Ooh. about? Um, feels awesome, you know. Play against the best, play against the best coaches, the best players. That's like that's a big time opportunity, and you know we're about to go, about to go take it, try to win national championship there. So let's do it. Are you ready for a night train poster to show up in the Rock? I think we need to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's gonna happen. That's awesome. Tell us about some of your basketball influences. Who in your life has sort of helped you on this journey, and then. Who maybe in the NBA do you sort of uh, take a couple attributes from? So obviously, you know, I want to thank my parents. My dad, you know, ever since I was a kid, I always asked him. I wanted to go to the park. We would shoot. We had a hoop outside. And, you know, he's always just been there for me. Been a huge part of my life. So was my mom. And my favorite player, honestly, he's – if I was at my house, I'm at my house right now, but in my room, it's LeBron. Mm. You know, LeBron's like – LeBron's the GOAT. I don't know if anybody – Disagrees with me, but I'm telling you, LeBron is the goat, man. He's 38 years old. And he's still playing in the NBA, but I absolutely love him. I love how he plays. You know, I love how he's a, you know, great person, great person on and off the court. And that's kind of how I relate myself to, you know, but yeah. Isaac Davis is on BYU Sports Nation. Okay. Aside from football and basketball and sports, what are your hobbies? What things do you like to do outside of competition? Well, I like to play some Fortnite, you know, got to hop on the con the console a little bit. But I like to fish, you know, do some family stuff. I also sing a little bit. Ooh, okay. Do some fun other stuff. So, yeah, when I get down there, you know, I got you guys. I'll serenade y'all. Let's go. I love it. That would be a first in BYU Sports Nation history. We've never been uh, sung to. A musical so, yeah. guest. Yeah. Musical <laughs> guest Isaac Davis coming up after the. Yeah, I love it. That would be great. Oh, congratulations again, Isaac. Uh, it's great to talk to you on the show and uh, can't wait to see you in Provo. Good luck in the state championship game as well. We'll, we'll send yeah. you some BYU Sports Station karma for that. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys so much. Let's go. The night train, Isaac Davis. Hey, that's, that's fun. Good luck in the uh, state title game. Uh, big time get for BYU. Absolutely. Big time get for BYU and love his personality. Huge personality. Lo love that. He's going to have so much fun. And the, and the Rock and the BYU fans, are gonna, they're going to love this kid. You know what I really like is that he, has, he mentioned specifically the relationship he already has with Marcus Adams Jr. Yeah, already knows him. Yes. Those guys are going to be big-time freshmen next year. Like, we hope that Marcus Adams Jr. gets healthy and gets waiver this year, but if he redshirts, those guys are freshmen together next year. Yeah. There we go. I'm not holding my breath that we're going to see I'm him not either. I'm kind of like In fact, it might, moved on. who knows, for his Almost, health since right? he's not ready to go right now. Yeah. Like, and it's a loaded kind of backcourt right now and whatnot. So. Get, yeah, Marcus I, Adams, hey, get healthy, join Isaac Davis. I'm for this basketball season, but next year, you're bringing in a real influx of talent there. All right. Yeah. Then maybe uh, Jay Billis's preseason metric and team rankings start to feel a little more realistic with, with next year's roster. Yeah, that might be tomorrow's topic. There's okay. some interesting numbers out there. All right. Hey, check out Cougar Pregame Live for BYU football taking on Iowa State Saturday night at 8 Eastern time. You can listen to it on BYU Radio. Up next, 
As promised, we'll chat with the second yeah. of the two new signees for BYU men's basketball. Brooks Barr, representing Keller, Texas. Why did he choose Provo ultimately among all of the options? This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Hustle numbers are hugely in BYU's favor. Trevin now with eight points. Johnson open for three. Men's hoops, huge game coming up tomorrow night against San Diego State, ranked number 17 in the country. You can watch it on ESPN Plus, listen on BYU Radio. Jeremy Jordan alongside Dave McCann, who will call the game tomorrow. Also on the call on the radio, Mark Durant, who now joins us from his lovely home in South Jordan. Mark, what year of analyzing BYU basketball is this for you? 27, 20, the big two seven. 27, and, uh, 96, is that when you started? Yeah. Which yeah. year, which, yeah. which of those wow. years did you feel like you um, were getting pretty good at it? Well, everybody told me I was good right off the bat, but now when I talk to people, they say, oh man, you, it was pretty rough for a couple <laughs> years. You, you were really, but you got better, you got better. So as with anything, as with my playing days and with broadcasting, the more more years in between the two, the, I get better in my mind. So, uh, to me, you're pretty good, uh, and we're hoping that BYU is pretty good this year. We have some of the metrics coming out from Jay Billis saying, "Hey, BYU is 55th." Lenardi last week had BYU fifth out. Uh, Ken Palm today says uh, 34th for BYU. Um, those are those are pretty flattering. I, I I personally am in the wait and see with this team. Certainly banged up to start the year. If they beat San Diego State tomorrow, that would certainly check a great box. But how are you feeling about this team? Because nationally, some of those metrics tell us maybe they're better than we think. Yeah, Jam, I, I like this team. And, and one of the reasons I do is uh, in today's world, it's hard to have continuity. Uh, and uh, BYU does bring back a lot of guys that uh, you have experience. You have leadership now, which – may have been lacking last year a little bit. Now you've got guys that are a year older and they played together. They went to Europe together and and you've got some real shooters. I mean, Trevin being back, uh, I think, and, and Ali Khalifa who can shoot the three as a big man. And Noel Waterman, I think, will be much better from three this year. Jackson Robinson, obviously very good. Spencer Johnson led the uh, three led the conference and conference play from three-point shooting. And they're going to shoot a lot of threes. So, I mean, they, they seem to have some really good uh, – pieces. Uh, that's not to say I expect them to win the Big 12. I mean, it's going to be a struggle, but I expect them to do very well in the preseason, and we'll see how they do. I, I think that the, obviously the game tomorrow night against San Diego State will tell us a lot. San Diego State had that magical run last year, and they're always a very good program, and so that, that'll tell us more than what HCU told us, but they sure look good <laughs> against uh, HCU, so we'll see. Mark, over 100 points in that game in the season opener. They shot 43 three-pointers. And Mark Pope told us going into the game and into each game is, is, is ideas to get 35 three-point shots off, which seems really high, but he's got a team of three-point shooters. What stood out to you the most on how they played back on Monday? Well, I mean, I've seen you play in your war games, and you can shoot a lot of threes too, Dave. It's it's not about the number of threes that you shoot. It's about getting good shots and making a high percentage. And 
until late in that game, they they uh, maybe missed a couple. But they were hovering around 40% most of that game. So if you're shooting that number, which is super high, obviously, and, and you're making 40%, you're going to win games. I mean, that's just the, the numbers will bear that out. And, and, and clearly the approach for, for Coach Pope this year is going to be that they're going to shoot a lot. Um, but you don't just want to throw them up there. You want to get good shots, and so you're going to have to – you have the right motions and good ball movement and spread the floor. And and if you want to have open threes, you have to also take it to the rim and collapse the defense and kick it out. And So there's a lot that goes into getting open threes and, and being able to shoot that many. But that clearly is what they're going to try and do this year. And I, I think, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I think it's a good approach. I mean, if you're going into the Big 12 and you're doing the same offenses and running the same stuff that every other Big 12 team's going to do. And let's say you go into Kansas and you try and do the same things that Kansas does with your players against their players, they will beat you because they have better players. And so if you're going to compete against teams like that, you have to do something different. So obviously a high volume of threes is, is a different approach. And, and the three point shot to me is the great equalizer in college basketball. So if you shoot a lot and you and you are hot that night, you can beat anybody. The problem with it, uh, Dave and Jeremy, is that you know maybe you don't shoot well from the three one night, and then you can lose to anybody. So you're putting your a, a lot of your eggs in one basket in, in in a sense. But what I really like the other night, what I really hope happens for this team is that they rebound the ball really well, and they almost got half of their misses uh, offensive rebounds the other night. Now they're not going to be able to do that against a lot of teams, but if you're rebounding, offensive rebounds, and then playing really good defense, so even if you are not shooting a great three-point number, you can still be in the game. I think that's the best approach. You can't just rely on the threes. You've got to do other things really well. That's a long-winded answer, but you're going to see – the bottom line is you're going to see a lot of threes from this team this year. I think it, uh, it's borrowing a book, uh, a page out of Lavelle Edwards' playbook. Remember back in the – in the 70s when I actually Iowa State came here. The last time they were here was his first year. And he said, uh, I got to do something different. We can't beat these teams lining up. We can't beat Oklahoma lining up man to man. So I've got to, I got to throw the football. And, and so that's how he started his idea. And maybe that's what it is for BYU. Yeah, yeah to, to your point. That's interesting. Shoot some threes. In terms of rebounds, Fullerton matched San Diego State with 42 rebounds each in that game. So It'll be interesting to see what uh, BYU looks like on the glass. ESPN gives BYU a 62% chance to win this game. They say BYU should be the favorite. Certainly San Diego State struggled in Provo. Uh, only four wins and 34 tries. What would a win tomorrow mean for this team moving forward? Well, I think if you can get a win against a team that's a top 20 team and that was, you know, had such a great year last year and has a well-respected program, automatically you're on the map. I mean, that, that, that tells the country – yeah, this BYU team is 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 for real and is going to have to be reckoned with. And once you get that in your mind uh, nationally, it's hard to kind of erase that from people's minds. So uh, if you could go and get a big win early like that, then it, it really helps you along uh, for your confidence, but more importantly, uh, how the nation perceives you. And as long as you don't mess up, uh, obviously, then you're in a good spot. So to have a team like that, who's well-respected, great coaching, uh, on your floor, uh, th that's a great opportunity. And uh, and BYU, like I said, has experienced San Diego State lost a couple guys uh, like Bradley. I mean, they had some really good players. And so it's going to be one of their first games on the road 
uh, in a tough environment, this is, I mean, this is a great opportunity for BYU. We'll see how they perform, but this is a, a good chance to show the world who they are and that they're, they're going to be a team that have, will have to be dealt with. Mark, let's finish with this. Let's go back in time to 2011, uh, and it's BYU and San Diego State at the Marriott Center. The Aztecs are number four. BYU's number nine. Jimmer scores 43. Kawhi Leonard has 21 and 16 rebounds. You were on the call for that game. Has there ever been a more meaningful showdown between BYU and San Diego State than that night? Well, I mean, that was that was special. I mean, there were some special Jimmer moments. I actually really liked uh, going to San Diego State and getting a win. Uh, that was even more impressive to me. But the, the thing that struck me about those games was you had uh, San Diego State with uh, with Kawhi, you mentioned, and uh, Billy, uh, Billy White and Malcolm Thomas. And they would throw everything they had at Jimmer. They would double-team him the second he crossed the half court. They'd throw two or three guys at him. And just selling out, we're going to stop Jimmer, and they still couldn't do it. You just he, he just ate him for lunch, and uh, it was so fun to watch him do his stuff. And they had a great great supporting cast with Davies and Hartsock and Emery and Collinsworth. That that was maybe one of the best teams BYU's ever had. And and Jimmer was just unbelievable, as we all know Jimmer is. It was a beautiful night. All the students, uh, you know, uh, want, wanted to be with Jimmer on the court there. A rush moment. Gonzaga, we had that again a couple years ago. It was awesome. Mark, we appreciate the time. We'll see you tomorrow night. Guys, I love you guys. Thanks for having me on. Dave, Jerem's cool, but, man, talking to you, that is special. <laughs> I, I know you don't mean that. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> see you tomorrow night. Thanks, Mark. What a game tomorrow night. BYU San Diego State Aztecs ranked number 17. You can watch our pregame coverage starting at 8 Eastern. And uh, that's on BYU TV. Play by play at 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN. Mary Center is going to be rocking. Spencer Johnson's going to be shooting. We'll put a ball on the show coming up after this. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24 7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. This is one of those special Fridays and Saturdays on campus where it's just loaded. We're in the crossover with basketball. It's awesome, man. We've got a lot to talk about in the headlines. Welcome back. I'm Jeremy. He's Dave. Let's get to an abundance of headlines. <laughs> and today's headlines presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Bowl eligibility on the line. Tomorrow night, BYU and Iowa State at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Game day starts at 8 Eastern on BYU TV. Kickoff at 10:15 Eastern on ESPN. Live postgame show back on BYU TV when it's over. Cougars in the NFL. Zach Wilson and the Jets play the Raiders on Sunday night football. Both flawed. Fred Warner and the Niners play the Jaguars. Tyler Algier and the Falcons play the Cardinals. Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Daniel Sorensen and the Saints play Kyrus Tong and the Vikings. Jaron Hall ruled out from Minnesota with the concussion he suffered last week. Kyle Van Noy and the Ravens host Sione Takitaki and the Browns. A couple of great linebackers clashing there. Michael Davis and the Chargers have the Lions. Blake Freeland and the Colts over in Germany take on the Patriots. Zane Anderson and the Packers plant the Steelers. A lot of Cougars making a lot of money in the NFL. Men's basketball hosts 17th ranked San Diego State tonight at the Marriott Center. Big game. Cougars 30-4 all-time at home against San Diego State. 
Pre-game coverage on BYU TV and BYU Radio starts at 8 Eastern. Dave's calling the game at 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. NCAA tournament begins tonight for women's soccer. The number one seeded Cougars host Mountain West champion Utah State at Southfield. We'll chat with Jen Rockwood, amazing head coach, and Rachel McCarthy to preview the matchup in just a few minutes. Coverage 8 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Number 12 women's volleyball won its second Big 12 road game last night. They had struggled 1-4 prior to this at UCF. Three-set winner in the sweep by 17. A season-high 13 aces in three sets. Same two teams tonight, 7 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. That was a big win. Women's basketball rolls out the home opener at the top of the hour against Weber State. We're not even done with breakfast yet. we got basketball, 1 o'clock Eastern times the tip. On Big 12 now on ESPN Plus, Spencer Linton, Kristen Kozlowski on the call. You brunching it at 10:32 local a brunch time? day. You bet. Number three, men and women's cross country competed in the NCAA Mountain Regionals in Lubbock, Texas this morning. The women took second, led by Carmen Alder, who is the high finisher, took fourth overall. The men's race is going on as we speak. Nationals next week, right? Yep. BYU baseball's 2024 signing class. Here they are. Ridge Erickson, a catcher out of St. George. Blake Paragas, a right-handed pitcher from Hawaii. Cohen Goas from Hawaii, an infielder. Another infielder, Tyler Hatch out of Arizona. Matt Hansen from Colorado Springs, another infielder getting ready for Big 12 baseball. And last but not least, softball schedule was announced yesterday. Some highlights include playing in four non-conference tournaments to begin the season. BYU's first Big 12 home series will be against Texas Tech. And the big one is that BYU will host three-time defending national champion Oklahoma in Provo. That is going to be a lot of fun. That is going to be spectacular. Probably be like 80 degrees. Yeah, fantastic. it's going to be awesome. Those are today's headlines. And uh, let's get to the Big 12 Roundup. Uh, Dave will sit in for Spencer on this one. Where, where's Spencer at? Uh, sitting in, in for Spencer? In theory, well, yeah, on the whole show. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, <laughs> big 12 Roundup. Here we go. Texas Tech. Taking on 16th ranked Kansas, Jayhawks a four-point favorite. Uh, who's Spence going with? Him? I feel my credibility is on the line here because these aren't my picks. Spencer's <laughs> going Kansas. Spencer, I'm going Kansas. I'm going Kansas as well. I, I just think at home, the Jayhawks are playing good ball right now. Big win against Iowa State last week. Who BYU will see tomorrow? Baylor and 25th ranked Kansas State. Kansas State looking to snap a three-game home losing streak to Baylor, which they're going to do. Baylor's just awful. Kansas State, huge number here, 21, 20 and a half, depending on who you ask. Uh, Baylor, Baylor, to me, can keep it within 21. I know the Bears have struggled, but 21's a big number. Spencer's going Kansas State. Okay, okay then. Okay, next up, Oklahoma State ranked 15th, getting only two and a half points. Hold on, did you go say you're going Kansas State as well? I'm going Baylor. You're going Baylor. Yeah, uh, at UCF. Who does Spencer have on that one? Uh, he's going UCF which is interesting. You, really? Because UCF hasn't been great. They finally won their first Big 12 game last week, yeah. but they had to play Cincinnati to get it. Yeah. Beat them by two, I Cincinnati's think. Cincinnati's over. Yeah. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State for me in Superpick. I believe in the Cowboys. I think they're going to be in the Big 12 title game against Texas. They've been playing great. West Virginia at number 17, Oklahoma. I'm very intrigued by this one. The Sooners are favored by 13. I'll get West Virginia on this one to stay within 13 of Oklahoma. I, we saw them last week. They looked like uh, world beaters. They Maybe BYU did that. I don't know. But uh, give, give, me, uh, give me the Mountaineers to cover here. He's going Mountaineers as well. Mm. Uh, but that is, I think that's the game of the day in the Big 12. The last two meetings have been decided by game-winning kicks in the final moments. That's why I think West Virginia stays in this one. Okay. Okay, Cincinnati at Houston. Houston getting two points. 
Uh, sorry, Cincinnati's getting two. Houston favored by two. Spencer's going with Houston. Cincinnati hasn't been very good in the Big 12. No. I'm going Houston's with Houston as well. Houston's not that great well. either. Yeah. Cincinnati's weird. They'll, they'll put up a ton of yards, but they won't punch it in in the red zone. That's what they did against BYU. Almost 500 yards, but lost. Cincinnati's won the last three when they're in the American. Yep. Now they're in the Big 12. Is there a more patriotic conference outside of the Patriot League itself not than the American? Yeah. yeah. Everyone's seeking that uh, patriotic uh, tone there. All right, you got Texas at number seven against TCU. Horns are favored by 12 and a half. That's... Quinn Ewers is going to be back as yep. Texas's quarterback. This could be the key for them getting into the college football playoff. Could, yeah, they, they've got to win out, obviously, um, to go to the playoff with the one loss to Oklahoma. I have Texas in this one. 12 and a half's uh, a lot, but I, I like the Longhorns on the road. Spencer's going with the Longhorns as his super pick. Mm. Is it, do you get extra points? For you get an extra point, yeah. You get, Have not you just, declared your super pick? Oklahoma State's that my was super, your super pick. pick. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay, Iowa State and BYU. We know who cashed the checks. I'm going with BYU. Spencer's going with <laughs> BYU as well. <laughs> we have yet to go against BYU uh, this year. I, look, BYU's going to keep it within one score. You're in a tough spot to go against BYU. Right. I, I'm not looking to make too many as enemies As host of here. BYU Sports Nation. Yeah. Also, uh, we want the Cougs to win. Uh, we are extremely biased okay. Uh, here. Okay. That's Big 12 Roundup. Good stuff. Uh, okay, prop picks. Five selections of stuff in the game. Here we go. Over like under. I'm back in Vegas. Yeah, baby. The twenty-something years there, right? Yeah. Over under two and a half combined turnovers. Uh, Spencer's going with the over. Me too. I, I think there will be turnovers aplenty. Who will game. score BYU's first touchdown? A running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, Jake Breslau, throwing to the tight end. Uh, defense, special teams. Tight end slash Jake Retzloff. Yeah, maybe a Retzloff. Get him the ball. Yes, maybe a Retzloff runner into the end zone. We'll see. Okay, uh, what, what does Spence have? Uh, la, 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 we don't have it in there. We don't know. Okay, we don't know. What's oh, wait, wide receiver might be. Oh, okay. Uh, Going off his notes. Over under 10 and a half punts. <laughs> Spencer's going with the under. I'm going under as well. We're only different by one right That's now. a lot of punts. Yeah. Jake Retzlaff will be responsible for how many touchdowns? A, one or less, B, two, C, three or more. Three Spencer's or going uh, two. Three or more. You want three or more? Yeah. But, yeah, let's go. Okay. He's going to run for one, throw for two. Okay. Maybe more. Let's go. <laughs> okay, last but not least, how many points will be scored? This is close to the pin. Uh, Spencer this has combined. 42. I go 52. 52. A little higher. That's better for the fans. Yeah. But you're a man of the people. Typically. Yeah. Not always. Spencer's just in it for the money. <laughs> so he's going 42. Working to BYU, I'm not sure about that. But, uh, Great yeah. to be here and read Spencer's notes. Yeah. <laughs> Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. And please give nice reviews because these guys are always in better moods when they read a nice review. Somehow, Dennis Pitta is on the IMDb page as a co-host, by the way. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> Th cool. This just in, BYU Men's Cross Country finished second at NCAA Regionals. They advanced to Nationals. That was never in question. Uh, they, they weren't going for the win, per se, uh, just trying to advance right and then get to Nationals. James Corrigan was the uh, high finisher 
and uh, took 12th overall for BYU. So the women took second, and then the men took second. Yes, and both advanced, competing for a national week. title. Awesome. Let's go. Our question of the day, what would be the better win, BYU football beating Iowa State or men's hoops beating San Diego State? Nathan Chantry on Instagram. I have to go football. This isn't a conference game for basketball. Well, it would be a huge win. Beating San Diego State doesn't destroy their chances of a good season. Yeah, the, the, the better win is completely subjective. But what is better than getting bowl eligible, right. given that you have a bunch of quad one games sitting there in Big 12 conference yeah. play? The big dance isn't for forever. But bowl season right. is next month. And honestly, it's, it's like, hey, if BYU can be in the NIT and be just interesting in yeah. February, I'll be, I'll be happy. Anything above that is awesome. Jordan Royal on X, football. Bowl eligibility on the line. Yeah. Conference opponent, second string quarterback, making his first start at home. Beating San Diego State in basketball is always awesome, but football comes first. It is interesting. So you got a, a redshirt freshman in uh, Rocco Becht running the show for Iowa State. So it's an interesting quarterback battle of two offenses that haven't been able to move the ball very well or score too much. The Amy, Rock will be getting after one yeah, and will be yeah, supporting yes, the they other. Will. We have to read Amy Purdy because Brock Purdy, Iowa State, right? On Facebook, Absolutely. who knows? How about our women's teams at home today? Soccer is a must-win game. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only must-win today. That's the only true must-win. Uh, yeah. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.